You're listening to the podcast of First Baptist Church of Sevierville, where our mission is helping people move from their point of need to hope in Christ. For more information about our church, head on over to severe.church. Today's sermon, Go, is part four in the series, Strategy, Our Plan for Spiritual Growth in 2024, shared by Associate Pastor Craig Mintz. Well, good morning, church family. Y'all gonna have to excuse me. I'm just sitting over there worshiping and got to tearing up just thinking about what Jesus has done for me. Uh, man, I, I just thought about how filthy and wicked my heart has been and what Jesus did when he shed his blood to take away my sin. Oh, man, if you need Jesus today, I hope you won't wait. I hope you will put your faith in him. I hope you will reach out to him and believe that he died for you and rose again and that you'll ask him to save you. He'll do it. I don't care how ashamed you are. I don't care how far you've gone. Jesus takes away our shame, doesn't he, brothers and sisters? Amen. Big men cry big tears. Y'all excuse me. Ooh. Oh, my goodness. Anybody need Jesus right now? Anybody need somebody? Amen. Uh, boy, I feel like we should just go ahead and give an invitation. We will here in a few minutes, but before that, why don't we look at the Word together. Uh, turn to Colossians 4, 5 and 6. Colossians 4, 5 and 6. That's what we're going to look at today. Brother Nick mentioned that we're continuing this sermon series about strategy. We don't just hope that you're going to become a mature follower of Christ. We actually have a plan, praise the Lord, a biblical plan, nothing new. We didn't reinvent the wheel. We just looked at scripture and said, what do we need to do as we follow Jesus to grow in him? And one of those things is uh, we don't just show up here to stir up like I talked about a couple of weeks, but we go out to speak out about the good news of Jesus. So we're going to talk about go today. By the way, I'm not Dan Spencer. If you're a guest here today and you thought uh, you were going to hear a senior pastor, he's down in Georgia at the church he pastored before he came here. They're celebrating their 175th anniversary, and I know he would appreciate your prayer. Well, we're going to look at Colossians 4, 5, and 6, and we're going to talk about making the most of opportunities that God gives us. Did you know that God gives you opportunities to make a big deal about him and to talk about him every day, you may just not be aware of them. I know that's the case for me. I know there've been many days where I just walked around in a cloud, just trying to keep my head above water, just trying to get through the day. And I look back and I see how many opportunities I missed to talk about him, to make a big deal about Jesus to someone else. I've been thinking about opportunities a lot lately, how they come and go and how short-lived they are. Uh, like some of you, I sent my firstborn off to college in the fall. He's gone now. He's 19 years old, he's a six hour drive away. And uh, man, God's blessing him there. The Lord's doing great things in his life. Uh, but he's not in my house anymore like he used to be uh, for 18 years. And I just think about that opportunity's gone. You know, God gave it to me and Jessica for about 18 years to just pour Jesus into his life the best we could. We didn't do it perfectly, but to disciple him, to give him the gospel and the word of God. Now, of course, we talk all the time, we text, we still have influence in his life and he does come home occasionally, but 
that opportunity to day by day under the same house, around the dinner table every day to pour Jesus into him, it's gone. There's no getting it back. Uh, there's no turning back the clock. And you know, God gives us opportunities like that too, doesn't he? Not just with the kids in our home, but the relationships that we have on a daily basis, people at work, people at school, people on our ball team. He gives us opportunities and sometimes we may get another opportunity later, but sometimes we may not. We never know what God has in store. We never know what may happen and life is very short. And so we need to be making the most of opportunities. Paul, the apostle Paul, is the one who wrote this letter we're gonna look at to the people at Colossae. He's written a lot about Jesus, about what he did for us, how it changes our everyday life. And then he tells them, please pray. Pray for me, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. That's what he says in verse two. And then he says, pray that a door would be opened to me that I may make clear the mystery of Christ. Well, guess what he did? He did just that. Paul was writing from prison. He had been traveling around the known world at that time, telling people about Jesus everywhere he went. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus will save you if you call on his name. And then he ends up in prison for it. And most people, when they look at that situation, would say, well, the opportunity's gone. I can't walk around, I can't go city to city and tell people about Jesus anymore. But Paul looked at the chains on his arms and the chains on the guard sitting beside him and said, boy, have I got something to tell you. And he says in Philippians chapter one that the whole imperial guard there in Caesar's household knew about who Jesus was and what he'd done. And Paul never moved a muscle. There he sat in prison. But he saw the opportunity that these hard-hearted Roman centurions and guards who were chained to him, they needed to hear about Jesus. If I can't go out there, God's brought them to me. And he made the most of that opportunity. And many in Caesar's household came to know Jesus as Savior and Lord because he seized that opportunity. Well, let's look at it together in Colossians 4, 5, and 6, what he has to say to us about it. Paul's asked for prayer, and now here's what he says in verse 5. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Your speech must always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. If y'all would throw that strategy map back up there. We've been showing you this every week. Just a reminder, it's important for us as we grow in the Lord that we're worshiping together every week. We're meeting in small groups, we call life groups, to study the scriptures together and sharpen one another. We're serving in ministries together. But we don't just show up to soak, we get up and go to share the gospel. We go into our everyday world. And yes, that means short-term mission opportunities. I'm gonna talk about that. It means going to Brazil on a mission trip. It means going and serving with Hearts for Internationals here locally to reach international students who are working here in Sevier County. It means a lot of those things, but it also means going into our everyday life. It means the kids sitting beside us in the classroom at school. It means the coworker that we see every day it means that family member that we run into every week, that as we are going into our world, we are taking the good news of Jesus. And so Paul says, here's your first point, make the most of every opportunity with those outside of Christ. 
Make the most of every opportunity with those outside of Christ. You see, when you look at the passage today, he says, conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders. The Bible makes clear that there's two categories of people in this world. There's insiders and outsiders. There's those who've trusted in Christ, who have the promise of eternal life. We are in Christ, but then there are those who are on the outside. They don't know Jesus. They've never put their faith in him. And Paul says, we are in this world full of outsiders. We're living with them. We may be related to them. We may be working with them. We may be going to school with them. And as we rub shoulders with them every day, we ought to be intentional about the way that we live with them. Not just on autopilot, not just doing what we do and going through the routine, routines every day, but conducting ourselves with wisdom toward outsiders. In other words, really thinking about what is my interaction with this person gonna be like today? What opportunity in this conversation is there for me to point them to you? And boy, we need wisdom to do that, don't we? We, we can't do that in our own intelligence, in our own power and wisdom. In our own flesh, we're just focused on ourselves and our own problems and our own deal. But James 1.5 says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, that's me, that's you, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. You see, I lack wisdom, you lack wisdom, but God does not. He has wisdom beyond compare and he's not selfish with it. He says, if you'll just simply ask for it, He'll just pour it out on you generously, without reproach. He'll give you all the wisdom you can hold and more. And we need wisdom in our interactions with outsiders every day. To, and he says the way that we have wisdom, the way that we show we are wise, is making the most of every opportunity that God gives us so that we're not spiritually dull. It begins in prayer. If we're gonna be wise and make the most of every opportunity, we can't just wake up and hit the ground running. We've gotta wake up and hit our knees in prayer. We've got to think about and pray through our day and say, God, I'm gonna be in this meeting today. Lord, I'm gonna be at this practice with my team today. And I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't know what the future holds, but you do. And I pray that you would open doors of opportunity for me and that you would give me the wisdom to see those doors of opportunity and that you would give me the boldness to step through those doors and to see what happens as your Holy Spirit moves in and through me and as I speak a word about you. We've got to be on our knees in prayer and then we hit the street with faith and with boldness. You know, I was studying to preach this passage the last couple of weeks when Pastor Nan asked me to and I just got to thinking, I don't want to get up there in front of all these good people at First Baptist and feel like a hypocrite. And I share my faith with people, but you know what? I, I really fall short. Lord, I'm going to, I, I really, I know the Bible says don't put God to the test, but I'm putting his word to the test. I'm just like, Lord, I'm going to pray for wisdom these next couple of weeks. And God, you just open up doors for me. And it's bananas what God will do when you just ask him to do that. 
Uh, we were, uh, I see Jeff Pettis. Uh, Jeff, I'm going to embarrass you. Stand up, please. Uh, he's sitting by his wife, Emily, back there. My wife, Jessica's right behind him. He's on our Go and Grow staff. He helps me out with all of our missions and all that we do to take, you can sit down, thank you. Uh, uh, we take the gospel to the world. Well, the four of us traveled to a missions conference this week. Uh, to be with other missions leaders from other churches and to talk about what it looks like to help churches go to our communities and go to the nations. And so I was just praying. I've been praying over this passage, Lord, give us opportunities. And we talked a lot at that conference about opportunities. Um, well, we show up at the check-in desk, Jeff and I do, and we start talking with this fellow who's checking us in, and turns out he's from California, and we're just talking. I'm just thinking, Lord, give us opportunities. And it turns out he says, yeah, back in the 80s, a ministry called YWAM, Youth with a Mission, reached out to me and my family, and uh, yeah, I believed. And he said, but over the years, my beliefs have changed. He said, I'm still a believer, but my beliefs have changed. And I thought, well, that's confusing. I don't understand that, but I didn't say anything at the moment, and uh, we needed to go. The, everything was kind of wrapping up. There were people behind us that needed to be checked in. Well, I was just talking with them about it, and I said, uh, I was praying, Lord, I hope he's back here again so I can talk to him again. Well, we walked by the desk that next day, and there he stood, and not a soul in sight. And so I wasn't going to bother him or keep him from his work. And so uh, I just walked over there and I said, listen, man, I've been thinking about what uh, you said yesterday that you still believe, but uh, you, your beliefs have changed. Tell me what you mean by that. I'll be interested to know. He said, well, you know, I still believe, but my beliefs have changed a lot. So he essentially just said the same thing he did the day before. He didn't elaborate on it. And I thought, okay. And I could tell I wasn't getting anywhere with that. And so I said, finally just said, well, okay. I said, well, listen, I just want to make this clear. I said, when we talk about believing, we're talking about Jesus. And you got to believe that Jesus, the Son of God, came into this world and that he was crucified for your sins and that he rose again. And if you repent and believe, you'll be saved. He said, yes, I believe that. Well, then somebody came and he needed to work and we couldn't talk anymore. But I thought, Lord, just continue to work in his heart. I don't know what's going on in his mind and heart, but I believe you gave me that opportunity and helped me to see that. Well, we're on our way home Friday, and uh, we're driving down the interstate. It's pouring the rain. Uh, we're there on I-26 uh, south of Asheville. You know, they've been doing road construction ever since Noah came over on the Mayflower, hadn't they? I, I, that, that interstate has never, ever not been under construction, I think. And uh, the wind was blowing, and here came a construction barrel across the interstate. And uh, Jeff was driving. It wasn't me. I'll blame it on him. Um, it wasn't his fault, I'm joking. Uh, but that construction barrel came across the interstate, person in front of us, 70 mile an hour, just bowed up and stopped in the middle of the road to avoid the construction barrel. Well, Jeff got stopped, but guess what happened? Right, yeah, the person behind us did not get stopped. It was pouring the rain and smacked right into the back of us. We're all fine, uh, but the cars were not. And so, uh, you know, it's funny. You better watch out when you pray for opportunities, what happens. You may get opportunities you didn't wish for. Uh, we spent an hour on the side of the interstate. We went on up to the Welcome Center and uh, poor little fella, 18 years old, going to work at Walmart. Uh, he's going to miss work that day. We had to wait on the state trooper to come. And I remember us standing Beside, behind the car there and Jeff just looked at me and he said, 
looks like we got our opportunity. And so uh, we, uh, we did. We went over there and uh, talked to him, all four of us did, and had some time with him and just talked to him about the Lord and what the Lord had done for him. And we've tried to get him connected to a church over there. I've got a friend that serves over there. Uh, I sure wish we hadn't got hit. I sure wish that we didn't have to spend an hour being delayed, but I believe that was a divine appointment. Uh, so that that young man could hear about what Jesus had done for him. Well, I'm not done yet. Um, I got home, and then Friday, I'm washing the car, washing Jessica's car up at the car wash, and uh, it's, a, it's a Honda Pilot, nothing fancy, your basic mom car, you know, and, uh, but it's, you know, it's, it's newish looking, and I'm washing it, and, and I see this guy out of the side, the corner of my eye over here, he's like trying to catch my eye, a young man in his 20s, and uh, so I, I just, you know, you can tell when people are watching, so I kind of look over, and, you know, smile and wave, and uh, he says, hey man, I love your car, and I'm like, Okay, thank you. I, you know, it's a Honda Pilot. I don't. It's not nothing. It's not a Corvette. Uh, but uh, I realized the reason he wanted to catch my attention was he wanted me to notice his car. And so uh, we got to talking about his car. It was a cool car. I like to look at cars and talk about cars. And uh, we just got to talking. And I said, "Listen, man, I, uh, I'm a part of a church. We tell people about Jesus." And started to share Jesus with him. I said, "Have you been looking for a church?" He said, "Yes, I have been looking for a church." He said, "Do you have a card?" I said, "No, I gave my last one away." And I said, but you mind if I get your number? And so I'm asking for this dude's number at the car wash. And he's like, sure. Gives me his number and I text him the stuff. Uh, it's just crazy how time after time, and by the way, if you're here today, brother, come and see me after the service. I invited him to this service. Um, uh, it's just funny how time after time after time when you pray, Lord, open my eyes, give me the opportunity, give me the wisdom to see the opportunity, God will give you those opportunities. Now, I'm gonna confess, I jumbled it a little in each conversation. Sometimes I probably said too little, sometimes I probably said too much. But I did the best I could by the power of the Holy Spirit and with his wisdom to make the most of that opportunity. And God will help you to do that with the people that you run into and the people that you interact with in your everyday life. That word there, some of your translations may say time, make the most of the time, or make the most of the opportunity. There's two words for time in the Greek. One is time, eight, nine, 10 o'clock, and one is time as in opportunity. The time, the opportunity you've been given, and that's the word that's used here. Paul is saying there's outsiders all around us, lost, dying, perishing. We'll spend an eternity in hell without Christ unless we open our eyes and we make the most of every opportunity. Well, how do we do that? By the way, before I get to number two there, I want to point out to you, we've got these little orange brochures when you leave today on the tables at the doors. These are our Go brochures. Go, take, making the most of gospel opportunities, we want to do that in our everyday lives, but I want to challenge you to do it in an intentional setting like a mission trip, a mission journey, or in a mission opportunity that you sign up for. Uh, Jeff has put together a, a, a getting us connected to a software that we have on our website. If you go to severe.church slash go, you're going to get an email at noon today that gives you the link for that, all of you, if you're in our membership system. And you can click on that link and find out about all of our opportunities from Cleveland to Alaska to Brazil to Panama, no matter where. You can find out the details and you can sign up today. Uh, so grab one of those brochures before you leave today. Uh, take those opportunities God gives you in your everyday influence, but also I want to challenge you to go with our church on mission around the world. 
Well, number two, how do we make the most of those opportunities? Making the most of every opportunity includes speaking in a certain way. Speaking in a certain way. Look again there at verse six, what Paul says. He says, your speech must always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you will know how you should respond to each person. How do we make the most of opportunities? It's because our speech is always gracious. It's always salty. You know, I think sometimes we don't make the most of gospel opportunities because it feels inauthentic. It feels weird, it feels forced to us. And guess what, it is. And it's because we're not walking with the Lord. It's because we're not talking to him all the time and talking to, like, hey, listen, man, what God did. Hey, I'm so thankful for how the Lord's blessed me this week. We're not always thinking about Jesus and we're not always just talking in general conversation about what the Lord's done for us. And so we make a hard right turn from how the Vols are gonna do in football this year to without Jesus, you'll spend an eternity in hell. And it feels like a weird jump. It feels like a huge jump. And it feels inauthentic. And the reason is, it is. And it's because our speech is not seasoned with grace and salt on a daily basis, but it's seasoned with discontent and complaining and slander and bitterness and all of that because we're not letting the word of God saturate our heart. See, because what comes out here starts here. There's an underground flow, like underground water that comes up in a spring on your property. The water that's in that spring is the water that started beneath the ground. And the water that springs forth from our, in our speech has come from our hearts. And when our hearts are slanderous and discontent and bitter, then so will our speech be. And people will not have an opportunity to understand who God is and what he's done. But when we meditate on the word of God daily, we read it, we study it, we memorize it, we're talking to the Lord, we're being thankful to the Lord, then in our everyday conversation, we're not just gonna talk about the grace of God, but our speech will be gracious itself. What do I mean by that? Has anybody ever insulted you? Has anybody ever said something mean to you or hurtful to you? What did you wanna do back? You wanted to give them as good as you got, right? That's just our flesh, that's our nature. But when the word of God has taken root in our hearts, our very speech is filled with grace and we bless those who persecute us. We love those who hate us. We speak a word of blessing to those who are evil and wish evil against us. Who's that like? That's like Jesus. Romans 5, 8 says that he died for us while we were yet sinners. Jesus died for us while we hated him, he loved us. And when he came into our hearts, he transformed us and took a heart of hatred and transformed it into a heart of love. And so our words are gracious, they're salty. What does salt do? It makes food taste better, doesn't it? I probably add too much salt to my food. Uh, I'm a fan of red meat, I'm a fan of all food in fact. Uh, and uh, most food, uh, unless it's supposed to be sweet, is always better with a little salt. And so is your speech. When your words are salted with the word and the grace of God, oh, that tastes good to people. Have you ever talked with someone and you were sorry when it was over? I guarantee you that person followed Jesus and the Holy Spirit of God was filling them and making their words gracious and salty in your life. 
Have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good? I want you to be able to talk to people and say, listen, listen, you don't even understand how good God has been to me. Can I tell you? I want you to have what I have. I'm not just talking about it as something distant over here that you need to believe. I'm a satisfied customer. It is in my life. I know Jesus. I have been changed by him, and you can too. Let your words be seasoned with salt and with grace. I want us to notice there at the very end of verse 6, I don't want us to miss what he says there, that when we speak in this way, why, why do we do that? Look at that last phrase. So that you will know how you should respond to each person. There's a world of millions of people who don't know Jesus out there, and sometimes that can seem overwhelming. But let's remember it starts with one. It starts with that person at school that you know, that person in your family, in your neighborhood. It starts with that one person. It starts with that individual conversation. And yes, it's the same gospel. Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. The same gospel that has saved me saves the man in Germany and saves the woman in Kenya. It saves everyone who believes. But we take that gospel and we thread it into a personal conversation with someone. And we learn about them. We listen to them. We've lost the art of listening, haven't we? We're always just wanting to make ourselves heard instead of hearing what other people have to say. And so how can we know how to answer each person? Instead of being like robots, just dumping the gospel on other people like they're robots, we actually get interested in them as a person because we love them, because God loves them. And we actually have conversations with them and we actually hear what they're saying and we hear the needs that they're presenting to us. And we are able to take the word of God and weave it into that conversation so that we may know how to answer them, whether there's somebody who's going through a divorce somebody who's having trouble with their parents and they feel like they always fight. Whatever the situation is, you hear the need and you're able to answer every person with the goodness and the gospel of God. Let me challenge you to just do this right now. I want to ask everyone to just bow your heads and close your eyes. And the reason I'm asking you to do this is for all the believers in the room, all the followers of Christ, I want to just ask you right now, would you think about your schedule and routine this week? Who are you going to see at school? Who are you going to see at work? Who are you going to see in your neighborhood? Who's someone you run into every day or maybe every week? And right now, would you just pray, Lord, give me wisdom. Give me opportunities and help me to make the most of that opportunity. Would you just do that right now? Hey, if you're with your heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're thinking of someone in your everyday world that you need an opportunity to talk to about Jesus, if you're thinking of a specific face or name right now, would you just raise your hand? I wanna join you in prayer and praying for that opportunity that you'd make the most of it. Oh, look at the, oh, don't look, keep your eyes closed. But I'm looking at all these hands. Yeah, you're thinking of somebody right now. Let's pray for them. Lord. Give opportunity. These men and women are raising their hand because they're thinking of someone right now who needs you. Someone they see daily or weekly or regularly. 
Give them wisdom, fill them with your spirit. Give them speech that is gracious and salty. And Lord, I pray that as they make the most of that opportunity, you'd be glorified. You can put your hands down, continue with your eyes closed. Is there anyone here right now that you know you don't have what I have, what I just talked about? You know that you are still in your sin. If you died right now, you'd spend an eternity in hell and you know you need Jesus. You know you need him right now. You know you need his forgiveness. You believe he died for you and you wanna just be saved today. You've never put your faith in him. Would you just raise your hand right where you are? I wanna pray for you. Who needs to be saved this morning? Who needs to be forgiven and receive eternal life? Would you quietly stand right where you are? Just quietly stand. This is your opportunity right now as the music plays. We're gonna give you an opportunity to just come and pray. Come and pray, Lord, give me wisdom, give me grace. Our pastors are gonna wait here. They'll pray with you as well. But also, does someone need to say, I'm ready to go? Here am I, send me, Lord. Send me across the neighborhood. Send me to the nations. Maybe you're someone who says, I need to stop what I'm doing right now and begin the process of going to across the country or around the world as a missionary or as a church planter. We wanna talk with you today. Whatever you need to do, would you come right now as the music plays, our pastors are gonna be standing here. Would you just stand? Stand right where you are, make your way toward the front. We wanna pray with you right now. Come now as we sing. Hey, if you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and share. And if you want a pastor to follow up with you regarding today's message, reach out to us at severe.church slash follow up. Thanks again for joining us on the First Baptist Church Severeville podcast.